November 19, 19. I don't make up the dates, folks. Um, personal journal check-in. Uh, man, I feel good. It is a... It's the last week before the beginning of the holiday season. And, um... I think I'm... I think I'm doing pretty good, uh, in the sense that, uh, most things seem on course. Um, not all. I got a message from my, from my iPhone software app, um, saying, hello, Jeffrey. We've noticed you haven't weighed in in three weeks <laughs> and um, I have a Wi-Fi scale that is as long as I'm using it um, I am it's great because it graphs the day to day and you can I can see what I'm doing and um, what was I guess, I guess the subtext of the three weeks that I've gone without weighing in, it suggests that I haven't been very focused on um, that aspect of my life. And um, I will spare you uh, detailed commentary on that, but um, I did complete sober October I went 30 days not 31 but 30 days um alcohol free and it was really good part of it was really challenging the thing that I probably would say surprised me the most was the second week the second week like day 8 day 9 day 10 I was so tired. <laughs> I was getting all the sleep as usual, even sleeping better than usual, but there was some kind of of processing that was um, happening in my body. I was just getting sleepy and feeling sluggish. And it, it took a good... That second week, I was like, I don't know what's going on, but I only thing I can say I've changed is I haven't had any alcohol. And my body is like, well, we're going to have to do some repair work. <laughs> I don't, you know, and I, I, there's probably a, a medical explanation. There's probably an article on medium.com. I, it, the very first day of November, a few weeks ago, for the next three days and three nights, I went to Gethsemane Monastery where anyone can sign up in advance and you go it's it's rural Kentucky and you go and you can be absolutely of any persuasion including no persuasion uh, religious wise the monks are there and they're going to be doing their thing and their thing hasn't changed at all 
in like a thousand years. <laughs> Their thing is to pray the hours. And no joke, they start that every day at 3.15 a.m. And um, it goes like, this is somewhat of a guess, but but maybe not. Like 3.15 a.m., 5.45 a.m., 7 a.m. I believe the next one is 12 noon. Then it's like 4.30 p.m., and then there's an end of the day one called Compline. And I didn't go to any services except the Compline service, um, which is the last one of the day. And that one, the abbot of the monastery opens up these, they're just these tiny little gates that are for the guests. So the monks sing and pray these ancient medieval things back and forth and most of it's like bits and pieces of psalms and then you as a guest you, you're you in this like nice area but it's kind of like a caged off area and the monks are facing each other and then you're facing like on a third side and you you actually have the best view as a guest because you just see down this very long and, and narrow um beautiful chapel um it's all painted it's it's not like a catholic uh cathedral thing where there's a lot of ornate stuff it's really this very simple stark white it's painted it's like bricks that are painted with heavy white paint and it goes up like four stories and then a simple you know most most cathedrals have a fancy ceiling and this does not and it's very plain. It's beautiful in its simplicity, but it's just plain. And uh, so I was just saying that to say you have this like good vibe while you're there. It is also inscrutable in that you don't, you can't really hear hardly anything going going on. You can't, you can't interpret it, and you you can't follow along. They pass out booklets, but you. Uh, the funny thing is. <laughs> And they're, and they're doing... A, all the monks are doing stuff on a calendar. And a uh, very serious calendar. And you can kind of follow along with like a lectionary of the Catholic Church and a lectionary of the Cistercian Trappist monks worldwide. But none of it's straightforward unless you have some sort of inside information on what's being sung or what's being read. Uh, but it's really beautiful to just see it it's beautiful to see it. Um, and so what I only went to, I only went to a uh, handful of services. I've been occasionally going to Gethsemane as a guest uh, since 2009. I went for the first time. I believe I've been five times and then I visited just on a day trip a sixth time. It's really, uh, it's a super famous place in its pond. There's a guy named Thomas Merton, um, a unique figure in American spirituality of the last hundred years. Uh, he was a famous monk there and he set off a bit of a, a, you could say a revolution, which is a silly word to use, but a revolution in folks joining the monastery. Uh, 
the the journals of Thomas Merton might be some of the best published journals I've ever read because he just talks about he's not even like he doesn't even know what he's doing there. This is back in like the 30s and 40s, 1930s, 1940s. He doesn't really know what he's doing there, but he's right. He has a hit book as a young, like late 20-something monk has a hit book around the world called Seven Story Mountain. It ends up uh, selling tons of copies and draws so much attention to this monastery in the middle of nowhere in Kentucky, but people are showing up in droves because of Thomas Merton. And and there's political instability, instability because of Thomas Merton's fame. The last thing monks are supposed to be is famous. And Thomas Merton is this enigmatic person. Again, you're not supposed to be enigmatic as a monk. You're supposed to just disappear and uh, pray and not leave the monastery the rest of your life. It's a unique thing. Anyway, Gethsemane is a mystery and it's a sort of portal into the past of contemplative spirituality and introverted spirituality. Their website, I think it's (laughs) monks.org. Um, so, uh, but that was the beginning of this month and it was a nice coda to the sober October and speaking of journals and some of this was probably kicked off by Gethsemane, but, um, man, I've, I found some sort of wind in my back for writing with a good old fashioned paper and pen. Um, in in the journal space and I feel really happy about that I think for for maybe a couple years every time I sat down to journal it came out well the main thing was I just didn't feel good I felt like there was a block there and I, I couldn't I couldn't get I couldn't get material or you could say content going and then this was happening before Gethsemane, but it also happened when I most recently went to Gethsemane. I just, I feel stuff coming out. And everything, here's maybe the big point. Uh, everything seems talk-aboutable in a way that was not the case. Uh, maybe in years past. And so... I just, I celebrate that and it's a good thing. And I've been carrying, I've been carrying my journal around in my briefcase. Um, it's okay. It's not a briefcase. It's a bag. It's a cool messenger bag. Let's get that straightened out. Um, I, um, write over the course of a day and I, you know, I could use my phone for this. I could use Evernote for this. I could use a variety of tools, but I've, through the course of my day, I use um, a good old fashioned paper and pen and it is still, it still feels good to write stuff out is my giant, super boring point. (laughs) So, um, 
I've asked myself, I've asked myself, is it a good idea by chance? So I use Evernote um, for all kinds of things, uh, including just taking pictures of documents. Evernote actually, so Evernote, in case you don't know, is an app and it's a whole cloud system and it's quite easy to use and it's a few dollars a month, really. It's not, it's really affordable to my mind. And, uh, but I've asked myself, should I, I have all these journals that go way back. 90% of the material is real, is kind of banal or, or very, honestly, a lot of the material is very spiritual and like religious in nature. Um, there's a time where journaling meant prayer journaling. I'm not saying that's at all bad. I'm not saying I don't even do that now. But it's a different kind of journaling than you trusting you to pontificate, to use another religious term. It's about, you know, there's the journaling where you're just writing your ideas. It's a different thing than you praying and writing those ideas. Um, so... But my, the thing I was going to say is storing image after image after image of pages in Evernote of journals past. And Evernote, it's, it's, a, it's a mixed bag of results, but Evernote can recognize characters. So if I wanted to look up, you know, hey, I at I one time loved a quote by Muhammad Ali but I can't seem to find it, but I knew it was in a journal back there somewhere that I maybe loved. Um, I theoretically could use the Evernote software to put in the search term Muhammad Ali, and then it could search my own handwriting and or maybe uh, in an old journal I, I, I copied and pasted like an article or something. I didn't do that a whole lot, but I did do that occasionally. I'm just saying it would be kind of cool to have now in my <clears throat> 44 years of, of experience. Actually, I haven't been journaling that long. <laughs> Let's just say I have like 30 years of journals. Um, anyway, the idea of... I mean, it would take forever. I, would, I could just use my cell phone, though. I don't need it for it to be a high-quality scan. It just needs to be some kind of digital image that's relatively clean. But does that make sense? If you could have all of your journals on your cell phone essentially <laughs> um, like images of pages is that a worthy thing it's not like I have that much smart stuff there but I would I'll tell you what someone who I have a very high opinion of is myself I'm just kidding it's not really that high but I think I'm curious about I guess I'm curious about ways that I thought 20 years ago that I might have I might have um captured well in a journal of years gone by <sighs> food for thought